Welcome everyone. It's so good to see you all. Um, just before we start, I just wanted to like um, just re-articulate what the purpose of a glory gathering is for and what our church groups are for. Just so that we have it really clear in our heads because I know like new people are coming in all the time. So I want us to be really clear about what this gathering is and why we have it. So the glory gathering is for the saints. It's for people who love God and believe in God. It's for the Glory City family to come and gather and worship the Lord. You should be burning with God. And everyone should come together and worship God in spirit and truth and unity. And we should pray together. We should experience the Lord together. And then you'll hear the word of the Lord for that point in time for our community, for that point in time of the week. Don't come here expecting to be discipled, okay, because that happens in our church groups. Okay, so we have church groups to be discipled. Life on life, unpack the gospel, um, teach you how to read your Bible, get your questions answered, grow up into Christ, get trained to look like Jesus. Here... We worship the Lord together. We stir one another up in love and good works. We take a big inhale and then we can go out to the world and exhale. Does that help? Just want you to be really clear about why we're here. All right, tonight I feel like the Lord has given me a bit of a machine gun of a preach. So... I feel like there's a whole lot of scripture and a whole lot of, um, a whole lot of like gold little nuggets. And I feel like for every single person, you're going to grab something a little bit different than the person sitting next to you. And there's probably too much for you to grab everything out of this one message that I have to share. So I encourage you to take notes. Because there's lots of scripture and you're pro- you can probably feast on this for a good month. Okay? I'm going to start with a little story about how this message came about. It was on the sideline of a baseball game a week ago. So my son, who's 12, um, was in the under-15s Northern Territory baseball team representing the Northern Territory and they had a a carnival last week and I'm not a sport mum at all I don't enjoy sport Um, it's like watching paint dry for me and so I was like okay I've got to be a good mum I've got to go watch this game lots of games like there was like eight games or something so I'm like sitting on the sideline at like one of the first games and my kids they're all on holidays so they were like playing on the playground and being outside and um, super excited to be there and I was like this is awesome kids are happy my son's playing baseball I can get some work done so I open up my laptop I've got brain space for the first time in three weeks because the kids have been on holidays so I start to like work and then Um, my son, he gets up to bat and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't work now. My son's like playing. I've got to watch. So I close the computer 
and I'm watching him play. Who likes baseball? Does anyone know anything about baseball? No, not really. So he gets up to take a bat. You can only get three strikes and then you're out. So he's standing there and my heart starts beating faster because I don't want him to get struck out. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like a bit nervous for him. So he's, he's there and the first pitch comes and he doesn't swing at all and it's a strike. And I'm like, oh my gosh, holding my breath. And then the next ball comes and it was a ball. So that means like the pitcher didn't get it in the right spot. So the pitcher can have four balls um, and, then, and then the batter gets to walk to first base. And then the next one, he pitches again and Isaiah swings and misses. Now he's got two strikes, one more and he's out. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm like, oh my gosh, my heart's beating fast. Pitches it again, he hits it, hits it and then he's like off to first base and I'm yelling out like a crazy mum, come on, you can do it, get to first base and he slides in and he's safe. Praise God. And I'm like, yes. And then I'm like, yes, okay, I can get back to my computer. But my son's now on first base. Oh, my gosh. The next batter comes in and I'm like, he's got to get home somehow. So now I'm like yelling out, supporting like this next batter. who I don't even know who he is. I don't know whose kid he is, but I'm this crazy mum on the side. Like, come on, number eight, you can hit it. You've got it. I'm one of the crazy mums yelling. <laughs> Anyway, so that kid gets struck out. But next minute, like my son is stealing a base. He's stealing from first to second. And I'm like, he's going to get out. Oh, my gosh. And he slides in and he's safe. Praise God. Next batter comes up. He misses it. The, ca- the catch is like fumbling for the ball and Isaiah's stealing another base and they're all over it and they chuck it to third base. He slides in, he's safe. And I'm like, praise God. Anyway, my heart's beating fast. This is crazy. Then the next kid got struck out. So he was out. He didn't get home. And I'm like, well, that goes that. But then now I'm invested in the game. I've got to see who wins. <laughs> so... That was my baseball experience. And as I was conversing with the Lord about that, I was like, God, after the game, my heart was still beating fast. I was like excited. They won the game. It was awesome. But my heart was beating fast and I was like excited. And I was surprised. And I just said, God, what what the heck is all of this about? I'm not, a, I'm not a sport mum. And he just said to me, Naomi, that's your son out there. You're emotionally invested. It's your son. Welcome to my world. There's 7.6 billion people in this world. And the Lord's emotionally invested into every single person because they're his son or his daughter. And he's on the edge of his seat, watching every move that every single person makes because he loves them so much. But then he dropped a bombshell and he asked me a question. 
He said, Naomi, I want to get the words right. He said, Naomi, what if every Christian in the world was as invested into building the kingdom of God as you are with your son? And my breath was taken away and I responded to him, it would change the world. And he said, exactly, it would change the world. So the question from the father right now is what if every Christian was invested into building the kingdom of God? In 2015, there were 2.3 billion Christians in the world. In the world. 2.3. 33% of the world's population confessed to being Christian. Wow, that means if every person just discipled two people, the whole world would be saved. Two people. I was like, when I realised this, I was like, are you kidding me? I've, I've discipled two people already and they're making disciples. We can actually do this. God, we can do this. I, I can do some more. There's more I can disciple. I can do more than my two. One of those Christians doesn't even have to do two. They can just do one. I'll do an extra one. So my question to you tonight is, are you invested in building the kingdom of God? And I feel like this is a conversation that will begin tonight and will continue. I feel like Dave and Ruth will be able to add to this. There's other people in our community that will add to this conversation. And I feel like I could unpack this for a lot longer than just one night. Um, but I'm going to just try tonight to impart just a bit of a burning in your heart to actually build the kingdom of God. I just want you to leave being excited about building the kingdom. So last week, right here, we sang a song. And it's called Build Your Kingdom Here by Wren Collective. Who remembers? We sung it last week. I actually love this song. It gets me fired up big time. But last week as we sang it, Holy Spirit started smashing me with the reality of what we were actually singing. And as I looked around the room, I felt him ask, who can I find that actually believes what they're singing? So we're going to have a look at this song tonight. Um, and I want you to leave actually believing what you sang last week. Because if you do, you'll, you'll probably change the world. Actually, you will. You will change the world. So, verse 1. Amy is my helper tonight. Please work. Amen. One before that? Yes. So the first two lines of the song are, Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. We have to start here. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. 
The word Lord there, it's not a fluffy word. The Greek word is kairios, which means supreme in authority, controller, master, he to whom a thing or person belongs, a possessor and disposer of a thing, the owner, the one who has control of a person, the master. Do you get it? You did not say a prayer to go to heaven one day. It isn't a flippant thing to call Jesus your Lord. You do not add Jesus to your life. He becomes your life. In Glory Kids, we learn about this last term, that some people treat Jesus like he's the sprinkles on top of your ice cream. They just try to sprinkle a bit of Jesus onto their life, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit extra on Sundays. But that's not the gospel. Jesus is not the sprinkles on your ice cream. We do not add Jesus to our life. He becomes our life. When we make him our Lord, we lay down our life to serve him. He's our master and our controller. We don't own our life anymore. We've been purchased with his precious blood. I want, I want to make sure from the start that you have set the rule and reign of Jesus in your heart. Make sure he's your Lord. Make sure you've counted the cost and know what you've said yes to because otherwise the Christian life will be hard and confusing. It won't make sense to you and, and it won't work. Jesus must be Lord. Back to the song. Are you okay? <laughs> Danny. Increase in us we pray. Unveil why we're made. Who wants God to increase in them? Yes, please God. Unveil why we're unveil why we're made. In case you're not sure. Genesis 1, 26 to 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. So you are created by God to bear his image on the earth. That's why you're alive. You're created to know God and to make him known. When he made people, he was so pleased that he commanded them to multiply and fill the earth. Why? Because people were filled with his glory and he wanted his family and glory covering the earth. He hasn't changed his mind. He still wants that. Yes, there was a sin problem, but Jesus took care of that. And now you can have direct, unhindered access to God and you can be filled with the fullness of God and radiate his glory to the world. That's why you're alive. Make sure you don't forget it. When people look at your life, they should be compelled to say, wow, God must be real. You're alive to shine his glory to the world. All right.
Next line. It says, Come set our hearts ablaze like wildfire in our very souls. I don't know about you, but as I feast on the Word, as I read my Bible, as I know God more, and as I pray and seek Him and behold His face in righteousness, as I walk with Him, as I meditate on the glorious gospel, it literally feels like my insides are alight and about to explode. In fact, sometimes if I don't release what he's put inside of me, I fear I might blow up. It's like, it's real. And it's been that way for three years since I understood the gospel. And it hasn't gone away. It just gets more and more. The more I know him, the more I burn for him. The more it feels like this fire inside of me is just a light and getting bigger and bigger. So I promise when you get the gospel, when you access what Jesus has paid for, it will set your heart ablaze with hope and it will feel like you have a fire in your soul and it won't ever go out. Next line. Holy Spirit, come and invade us now. Some of my favourite scripture. Colossians 2.9 For in him... The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. It's saying in Jesus was the fullness of God. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. So in Jesus was the fullness of God. And because you're in him, you're filled with the fullness of God. I think we're already invaded with the Holy Spirit. We just need to believe what we actually have. John 14, 15 to 17, in case you're not convinced. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's Jesus saying the Holy Spirit dwells in you and is in you. John 14, 25 to 26 says, These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. How many things will Holy Spirit teach you? All. All in the Greek means all. The truth is you have the Holy Spirit in you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. It's time to believe what the Bible says is true and start communing with Holy Spirit so he can teach you, guide you and partner with you to build his kingdom. Amen? Amen. The song, back to the song. We are your church. And we need your power in us. Yes, God. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 3. This is Paul writing. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not with plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power 
so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but the power of God. We are the church, and we need not to only use our words to see people come to God, but we need to see the power of God at work through us. It is a constant prayer of mine. Father, show me how to operate in your power. Show me how to function the same way that Jesus did. Church, let's cry out to God and not be satisfied when we pray for someone and they don't get healed. Let's press on and and believe despite what we see because this world needs the power of God. They don't just need words. They need power. They need to see God. How are you going? Is this okay? Verse 2. We seek your kingdom first. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Question. Are you seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness? Or are you seeking to build the kingdom of yourself? Why do we need to seek his kingdom first? Because when Jesus is our Lord, when he's our master and controller, when we belong to him, what else is there to do? What else do you do with your life but seek him and know him? That's why he created you. My life is not my own. And my heart now knows the Father. So all of a sudden, I care about what he cares about. And guess what? He's the good shepherd who leaves the 99 for the one. His heart is all about the lost. So we seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. Why are we seeking his righteousness? Because righteousness is the doorway to intimacy. God has made me righteous. He's removed my sinful nature and he's given me his holy, clean, perfect nature which makes me compatible with God. And as I start to believe I'm righteous and access intimacy with God, then I start to look like him and walk in holiness. You won't walk in holiness if you don't know God. Rules don't keep you free from sin. A relationship with God keeps you free from sin. We hunger and we thirst. Matthew 5, 6. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. My question to you is, what are you hungering and thirsting for? Is it for the Lord or is it for something else? What you feed on, you will hunger for. If you feed on chocolate every day, guess what you're going to want every day? Chocolate. Kids know. If you feed on the Lord every day, I promise it will birth in you an insatiable desire to know him more, to get more of him, to see him clearer. And please don't cry out for revival and be filling yourself with the world. It starts with you. It starts here. Next line. 
We refuse to waste our lives for your, our joy and prize. James 4.14 says, What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a time and then vanishes. What are you giving yourself to? Your life in the scheme of eternity is this long. It's a whisper of time. I beg you, get your life in order. Become diligent and aware of where your time is going. Ask the Lord to show you where to pour your time. Why? Because he's our joy and prize. Just like the song says, he's our great reward. He's worthy of it all. May our life bring him the full reward of his suffering. What a joy it is to lay down our life for him. <sighs> the next line says, To see the captive hearts released, the hurt, the sick, the poor at peace. Gosh, this is a whole message in itself. Let's just look at two scriptures, but I really want you to go away and meditate on these and find more and actually commune with the Lord and ask him the question, what does it look like for me to actually do something? What does it look like for me to do this? Isaiah 58, 6-7 says, Is this not the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked to cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. In short, I think God is asking us to not only pray for the answer to the world's problems, but to go and be the answer to the world's problems. Church, don't become those who regularly pray and fast for issues, but don't actually take steps with the Lord to be a solution to the issues in our city. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. Yes, pray and fast, but then go. Be the answer. God will give you the strategy. You just need to be obedient. Luke four eighteen to 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. That's Jesus. Notice it doesn't say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to attend church. <laughs> the spirit of the Lord is upon me to be on the worship team. No, gosh. Jesus was anointed to preach the gospel, to proclaim freedom for those in captivity, to heal the sick, to bring freedom for the oppressed. And 1 John 4, 17 says, As he is, so am I in this world. So are you in this world. So guess what, church? You are anointed to preach the gospel, to proclaim freedom, to heal the sick, and to set free those who are oppressed. You're anointed. Next line. 
We lay down our lives for heaven's cause. When you said yes to Jesus, do you understand what you said yes to? This is imperative so you live a powerful Christian life. It's Gospel 101. It's my favourite scriptures in the whole world. Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. I think that's pretty black and white. I've been crucified and I don't live for me anymore. Jesus lives in me. We can't mess that up. We've got to get that. Colossians 3.3 says, For you died, and your life is hidden in Christ, in God. So my question to you is, have you laid down your life? Are you all in? Because my Bible tells me that I'm not alive for me anymore. He's in me now, so I figure that looks like something. If these scriptures do not burn in your heart, then you need to go home, get in your bedroom, open your Bible to these two scriptures and talk to the Lord about it until like it burns in your heart, until you get it. You have to get this. These verses, these two, have the power to completely transform your life. It's Gospel 101. Stop sitting on the fence. Your life's not your own. The next line. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Next line. We are your church and we pray revive this earth. Matthew 16, 19. This is Jesus speaking and Peter had just had the massive revelation that Jesus is Christ. He's the son of God. And Jesus says to Peter, I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, the rock was the revelation that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus is the Christ. On this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We are the church. We're built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Wake up church and know who you really are. Together as believers, we have enormous power to change our city our culture and the world. The bride of Christ is destined to be victorious against hell. Love the bride. Protect her at all costs. Don't dishonour the church. Please don't dishonour the church. Don't gossip about her. Don't cause division or be a part of division. Build up the church. Love the church. Edify the church. Because in doing so, you'll make her stronger. And the devil will lose. Praise Jesus. And yes, pray for revival. God, we need you to revive our city, our territory and our nation. Pray.
Every significant move of God has been fueled by prayer. James 5.16 says, The prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective and avail much. Come on, your prayers matter. They change things. We're up to the chorus. Heaven help us. How you're doing? Okay, it says, Build your kingdom here. Let the darkness fear. Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. It says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, here it is, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Whoa. Do you get that? Jesus is the one who is the foundation of the church. The one who dwells in us is far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is named. And all things are under his feet. All your problems are under his feet. Every devil is under his feet. And he's the head of all things. All things. And we are his body, the fullness of him. Darkness should be fleeing. Jesus is here. Jesus is Lord. Darkness has no power. Jesus is Lord. Come on, believe the Bible. This is your Bible. Read it. Believe it. Show your mighty hand. Back to the song. Amy, you're amazing. Thank you. Heal our streets and land. Set your church on fire. Win this nation back. Come on. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Here's some keys for revival. One, humble yourself. Humility is the red carpet to revelation. Number two, pray. Pray, we've already talked about that. Your prayers are powerful. Number three, seek God's face. He's made a way for you to be intimate with him. So know him. When you know him, you'll look like him. Jesus changed the world. You can change the world. Four, turn from sin and be holy. Knowing him will keep you free from sin. Intimacy with God produces holiness. Change the atmosphere is the next line of the song. I, wanted to, I want to remind you tonight that you are not a barometer reading the temperature of the spiritual climate. 
The Spirit of God lives in you. As He is, so are you. You are the thermostat of the spiritual climate. When you walk into a room, darkness should flee and shudder. You set the climate. Make sure you're building the kingdom when you're in the room. Know who you are. Know what you carry. And then it says, build your kingdom here. We pray. Matthew 6, 9 to 10 says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, you're glorious. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When heaven look, sorry, when earth looks like heaven, then our job is done. Until then, we need to get serious about building the kingdom. I'm going to leave you with a quote from John Wesley. And you've probably heard it. Mark Greenwood uses it a bit, but it's worth repeating. He said, Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I care not whether they be clergymen or laymen. They alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. A hundred. Do we have a hundred in this room? Not quite. But man, if every person in this room gets on board, if every person is 100% in, committed to building the kingdom, we'll shake the gates of hell and this city will be transformed. Yeah. So tonight, tonight I want to give you an opportunity to draw a line in the sand and say I'm all in God. And this isn't, in a sec, Danny. <laughs> this isn't a call for salvation. If you don't know God, you need to know God and you can come and see me after the service and I'll pray with you. But this is a call for every, anyone who is like, yes, I'm all in. I'm ready to go and build the, co- the kingdom of God. So we're actually going to play this song. We're going to play it loud. And... I invite you to come and link arms with me. We're actually going to link arms. If you want to build the kingdom of God, stand up, come up. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope. Like wildfire in our very souls Holy Spirit, come invade us now We are your church We need your power in us We seek your kingdom first We hunger and we to waste our lives for your our joy and prize to see the captive hearts released the hurt, the sick, the poor at peace we lay down our lives for heaven's cause 
Amen. I release you into the city to push back the darkness. God, we ask you to give us solutions to the problems in our city. And we offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices, God. We give you ourselves. We say, use us. We say, yes. We'll be your hands and feet. We'll do it, God. We lay down our lives. We're not alive for us. We're alive for you, God. So we give ourselves to you. And I pray for dreams and visions and prophetic solutions over every person in this community. You're destined to bring heaven to earth. Jesus, have your way in our city. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, everyone. I can't wait to hear of all the testimonies that will come next week. Amen. Amen. Well Thank you. Up as like a physical expression of of what's happening in the spirit.